ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. So we we kind of been shooting the shooting the mess here for uh, only about ten minutes. That ain't too bad. Usually that that first part of the conversation goes on for twenty minutes, and then I go crap. I should have press record. <laughs> so <laughs> s- sitting on with Double A Ron Schmaus, Aaron Schmaus. What's up, buddy? How we doing? I messed up, A Ron. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Good. Um, to quote the the Hodge twins, it's gonna be a damn good show. <laughs> uh, Them boys are funny. Yeah, buddy, I'm happy to uh, happy to be on here. It's pretty cool. Heck yeah, man! Glad to have yeah. you on. I know uh, we were we yeah. actually hit or miss a couple times. You know, we talked about it, and then what was that? Utah twenty nineteen. We had hooked up a little bit, and I think we we're supposed to do something yeah. after that. But you get schedules going, man, and you know, trying to coordinate. And I think what happens, I know on my end, right? As I'll push and try, push and try, you know, a couple three times, and I don't even know if I do it that much anymore. And then I'm like, okay, you got better shit to do. Just hit me up when you're ready, or you know, if you're telling me to piss off, then. I'll I'll just piss off whatever <laughs> oh dude and, and like this this whole thing like it gets so hard i mean it's so easy to get just completely engulfed in just everything you're doing because you know we don't wear like one hat right right you know we're we're constantly all over the place and you know which is good and it's bad you know but um definitely makes things interesting like you you've got a regular job and stuff like that you know then you're doing podcasting you're trying to do you know different media and all that kind of stuff you know and i'm same thing you know i'm uh constantly like running and gunning and you know i've got this hunt i need to 
work up and then you know i did a bunch of product videos for rocky mountain hunting calls for 6 a.m you know and then i've got uh i'm going to school full-time again uh using my va benefits for that and then got you know family and you know uh, so everything just kind (laughs) of it's easy to forget the shit yeah it's just uh, keeping up with it right Oh, for sure. Copious note-taking is what I like to call it now. I mean, it's just – it was funny because we were in Colorado. I don't know. It's been two weeks ago. And I was hanging out talking to Dennis. Yeah, how was that, by the way? Dude, that mass shoot was was excellent, bro. Um, I mean, I love shooting 3D anyway. And then I love just getting out on the mountain and just, you know, shooting with folks, you know, people you don't know. And just just that level of like-mindedness and camaraderie is just awesome. But – the way that um, Mr. Waddell and the team are putting on that event, man, it was it was beyond enjoyable, dude. Um, the courses are the courses are great, right? And and it's kind of it's scale, right? Like you want to go lose arrows and break arrows, go over here. Um, but I really like the thought that they put into the courses. It's, it was just great. Like the Pope and young course is cool. You got all these, you know, it's funny to see these foam targets. Um, some of them are, are outdone by the, uh, antler replicas <laughs> on their heads. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's pretty funny to see this, this, you know, elk foam. And then you got this giant 406 inch, you know, rack on its head. <laughs> it was comical, but you know, it's, it's pretty cool. There's an educational piece with that Pope and young course. And then, you know, you got, uh, the base map course is another cool one. Whether you use base maps or not, you know, it doesn't matter. You get the free download, you, you know, go on to the course yeah. and you actually have to find your shots on base maps. So you're, you know, you're jumping on pins and you're working your way to the, oh, to the uh, pin drop on there and you get to them and there's glass in spots and you got a glass for a bear and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's very, I really liked how it's thought out. Um, and then just everybody that's there working the event was, no one was like overdone to where they weren't very, very helpful. You know what I mean? It was just, it's just a great atmosphere, man. A lot of families. So I really enjoyed the hell out of it, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I haven't uh, had the opportunity to do one yet. I'm uh, doing the one in Mullen, Idaho um, next month. Uh, I think it's like the ninth. Uh, so super stoked about that. I think that's going to be awesome. And uh, hopefully, We've got some things in the works that, you know, I'll talk to you a little bit off air, uh, see if maybe you can help out with, with that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be a really cool and unique idea. Um, and, you know, that's that's something, too, you know. Um, I've been freaking original idea, man. Holy crap. Uh, Rocky uh, Jacobson, man. Holy cow. He just is always like his brain is always moving. He's always, he's always thinking of new products, new uh, stuff like that. So it's really cool to be working with him and uh, some of the other guys that I'm working with, um, you know, on all these different projects that we're doing and stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a unique ride, man. It really has. I, I've been loving the outdoor industry. Yeah, see, you're wasting your time in the woods with uh, people like Freddie Lopez, man. That that ain't gonna get you nowhere. Oh, Freddie Mercury, <laughs> <laughs> that dude right there, man. I love Freddie. He's a trip. 
Um, actually, I got my game changer hat on right now. There you go. Um, yeah. Um, he's a he's a trip, man. So I didn't I didn't realize it, but you know he uh, he has a similar background uh, to my family background. Um, you know, he's, he's got family from Mexico and he's actually from Mexico. And, uh, you know, my dad was from Mexico and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's been, it was really cool to jive with him and stuff like that. And, um, he does it up in the backwoods, man. Holy cow. Like he's all cooking and all that kind of stuff. And like everything has like a Hispanic twist to it, you know, that fool's so a Sally. Eating, like, he carries a taco man grill to the back country. <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah. I mean, for real. I mean, we, we had, uh, we had, uh, he, this dude, he bought T-bone. <laughs> so he's got T-bone and we're like putting lime juice over there, which is really traditionally Hispanic. Right. Um, got we're we're dumping lime juice on it and stuff and it was like outstanding i mean i love that kind of stuff you know so uh freddie's really really cool i like him yeah he's a good um, man right there he's a, he's a good guy to hang around buddy but yeah so so back to yeah. back to what i was uh, saying where you were talking about busy right and and uh my wife was talking to dennis from initial ascent we were hanging out at that math shoot and uh we're just talking about, you know, go, 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 like we're talking about. And then, you know, my wife says, yeah, if I see him, it's because he's in the garage and the and the door is open. And uh, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I got to yeah. reel that in before September, man. Definitely. Oh, gotta... man. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. Well, I just drew uh, an archery animal tag here in Montana. And so I'm like looking at my schedule stacking up and I'm like. Well, the family's not going to see me for a couple months because <laughs> unless I'm just like, you know, super fortunate to be able to notch my tags and stuff like that pretty quick. Uh, like my buddy Josh, man, that dude, I don't know how the hell he does it, but he uh, so he notched his his elk tag, his his brother notched his tag and they he killed a bear on the way back in. To, to get his elk like all within five days of the season starting and i'm like dude you suck well that's six <laughs> that's six in one hand half a dozen like in the other though right because now you're you're done oh, for sure right that's the problem that i have with it and you know like if i'm an any deer or any elk guy my season's over pretty quick. And and I've had those years where it's like, man, I got, you know, here at home, I got a two month season. And then the second week, you know, you arrow, you arrow a deer, man, I'm SOL. I got two weeks in the woods. So that's a hard one for me, man. Just, you know, like, oh, I don't want to notch my tags that fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. But then, you know, at the same time, like it, I'm, I'm fortunate enough where, you know, my, my tags carry over well most of my tags antelope doesn't obviously but um you know my tags carry over into rifle season um although i'm not as big of a fan of rifle as i am bow hunting i just i love that close interaction stuff like that with the animals and you know really chasing them down and all that kind of stuff uh calling I'm, i'm a huge fan of calling i love it um you know, so, um, 
Yeah, I mean, there is that little bit of angst, you know, towards the end of bow season where it's like, uh, if I haven't gotten anything down, uh, it's like, uh, uh, am I going to be successful? You know, am I going to notch that tag and, you know, all that kind of stuff? Because I eat the meat. Like, I, that's what my family runs on. And, uh, you know, so it's like a lot of it is fun. But then there's a huge part that's like, you know, the, the subsistence side of things, you know? Well, that, I mean, there's a difference, right? Um, Definitely. The, I mean, the, and, and I don't know many of us that don't, you know, devour what we kill, um, or, you know, put in the freezer for the year. But man, if you can, if you can, well, I guess if you're in the position to where you know that you have an opportunity throughout the season, if you want to be selective on whatever your idea of a trophy animal is, or you have a caliber of animal that you're chasing, then be selective. But if it's like, you know, 110% subsistence, yeah, you're just going to take what you need to take and get back home with it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, part of me is like that that trophy side of things like in the beginning you know like first few weeks i might be you know a little more picky um you know usually i'll bring in every well shoot last year we called i don't know uh, probably somewhere around eight to ten bulls something like that in you know and um i mean it's it's generally like that um, every year, you know, we're calling cows, we're calling bulls, spikes, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in the beginning, I might be a little more picky, um, unless the animal just wants to die. I mean, if it's just like right there, standing broadside, you know, I, I can't get a better shot, better conditions, all that kind of stuff. I'm probably sending it. Um, but you know, there's a lot of those times where I'm just like, you know, I, I really want to enjoy my time out here and continue to chase and, you know, continue to call. Um, and I call for a lot of other people too, you know? Um, so that's fun too. But, um, yeah, man, I, I just, I love the hell out of it. I love chasing elk. I really do. <laughs> that's a, that's my, uh, yeah, I, I have a, I have a really bad, thing with that right now as it's you know i mean we're getting closer my my angst and and desire for september to be here is is increasing um i can't freaking wait but man it's i mean it's literally 365 days a year like i'm already planning 2022 um already got oh, a, yeah. got a hunt on yeah, the books for absolutely. that you know i i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever really planned out you know a year you know, further than a year out. I don't think I've ever done that. This hunt has been on the book since I think December. So it's pretty interesting what that animal has stirred oh, up wow. in me, man. What do you think? Heck yeah. What do you think? So you were, you were talking there, right? And I was talking about being selective and it just, it, it, it just kind of hit me. So for, for me, 
right? If I'm going to be selective, if I'm going to say that this is the caliber of animal that I'm chasing, and typically there's a reason for it, right? It's, you know, if it's here at home, we've been out glassing or it's something I got on camera uh, or it's something I have, you know, I've seen a year prior, you know, you want to get back in them. And that'll really set my standard for the year, right? My Wyoming bull, my first bull I put an arrow in, that was, that's my standard for elk. So I won't go... Mm -hmm. I won't go, I, I hate to sound like that, but I won't go backwards from there, right? Like that's that's the start. So everything needs to be that or better. Um, however that sounds to folks. How do you do that? Yeah. Because to me, if I don't set the standard going in and say, this is what I'm doing. If I decide I'm passing, hell, I'll look at that thing. I'm passing on that. Now come day eight, Right. We, we've heard it a million times. Don't pass on day one, which you would shoot on day eight or 10, the last day of the hunt, pretty much. Right. That that kind of leads right. to some regret, man. For me, I have to have that standard set going into season. Yeah, um, it's, it's really it's kind of hard um, because I don't run trail cameras generally. Um, I usually don't do a whole lot of scouting. Um, you know, I'll, it, well, I can't really say that. Like I do a lot of e-scouting. Um, but I have, but like the past few years, it's been more, um, going with buddies and stuff like that, that, uh, like last year I, I drew a tag, um, and my buddy, uh, Kent and business partner Kent, drew a tag so we went in that area but he already knew the area fairly well um so i really didn't do a whole lot of scouting when it came to that um you know i i kind of like to fly by the seat of my pants in in a lot of ways um you know i don't like i said i don't run a lot of cameras and stuff like that i don't do a lot of glassing and stuff uh during bow season um I just kind of like to, and, and, you know, maybe it sets some unreal expectations, right. For what's actually in the area. Um, but I generally in the very beginning, you know, I would, I would like to find something over, uh, you know, a, a four or five year old bull, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't so much go by antler size and stuff like that. Um, I, I tend to go what I think the age of that animal might be. Um, and you know, I, I just go with that. If, if I get a good, you know, maybe six year old bull or whatever that, you know, presents a shot, I'm taking it. Um, that's, you know, that that would seem, well, to me, right. Hunting primarily over the counter that's a hard prospect right if you're starting to talk like right. you know that that five six seven on up that age class you know a lot of the units i'm hunting right there they have those bulls but they're not managed for those bulls and it's you know for me like the unit i've been hunting is kind of a if they're you know that old monarch's going to be there but anything in that older age class i'm assuming is coming across the county divide road from that unit where they're managed for age class um there's a couple right. of older bulls that right. we've seen in that unit i hunt but man that's uh 
I'm going to say predominantly that the bulls I've seen in that unit are in that like two and a half to, you know, four ish range is, is the amount, you know, shootable, right? Like legal Colorado mm-hmm. bulls haven't been in that age class. So that's a, that's a hell of a standard. <laughs> you talking about a six, seven year old age class bull. That's a mofo right there. Well, that's, so that's the thing, right? You know, like I said, it, it might be some unreal expectations and it, that's probably why I don't uh, notch my tag within the first couple of weeks um, for the most part. You know, because I am looking for an older bull and stuff like that. And then, you know, as the season goes on and everything, uh, I'm looking, you know, for what's going to present a shot. But I want to have that opportunity to, you know, to get close to a a nice older bull, which, shit, I mean, when we were, uh, when I was hunting with Kent last year, man, I had, I had the opportunity. Um, And I... I somewhat kick myself for not taking the shot um, because I know I could have made the shot, but it just, it didn't feel right. You know, um, it, it was a really nice bull, a really nice bull, maybe 330, 340. Um, and he was, you know, he was every bit of six years old, seven years old. And he comes in and I mean, he's like standing in these small jack pines and I had about a 50 yard shot, but it was like, I had a a little jack pine, like right in front of it. So I I didn't, I couldn't really take the shot. I was drawn and everything like that. I was like, come on, man. It's that I want to start a company called one more step. You know, (laughs) uh, I mean, that's just like, that's like the story of my life in a lot of ways, you know? And, um, you know, so Kent, he, he was the one that called in the bull and he's got him at like 35, exact same situation, you know, Jack Pine right in front of him. And, um, you know, so he turns around and, and heads out. Well, he's over there like rubbing trees and all that kind of stuff. And then he'd move away a little bit with his cows. And so I'm like sneaking in on him and then he'd move away. And then I'd sneak in on him. He'd move away. And finally, it got to a point where I was at 63 yards and I was drawing on him. He's broadside. He's rubbing a tree. Uh, nothing in the way. The wind wasn't great. Um, you know, I, I had a, a soft wind going and stuff like that. And I just, I don't know why I didn't really take the shot. It just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Um, to me, I'm, I'm like all about gut feeling. and. Um, it just for some reason didn't feel right. Um, I can hit a plate at 80, you know, a small plate at 80, you know, but, um, I just, I didn't do it. And so I somewhat kick myself for not taking that bull, um, or at least, you know, taking a jab at him. But in, in other ways, I'm like, look, it didn't feel right. So yeah, I would, you know, I would, it, it, I would always, right. yeah, I would always err on the side of that intuition, right? There's something there. Cause I mean, you know, I mean, I don't care what you're hunting or what you're hunting with, you know what a good sh- shot looks and feels like. I don't care how many animals you've oh, taken, yeah. right? Like it, 
that that intuition, at least in my opinion, that intuition, you know, that holds with me. If that shot's not, if it's not there, I don't care if it's letting it down or coming off the rifle. If that shot's there, not there, it's just not there, right? I think that's the most responsible yeah. decision as a hunter you can make is is trusting that gut or that intuition and saying and evaluating if anything just taking that extra second to evaluate the shot and and if you miss the opportunity guess what you miss the opportunity you follow the intuition regardless is far better decision than sending that arrow or sending that bullet down range and watching a bad shot man that there there's zero oh, wrong yeah. in that and of course right we we We'll analyze the shot we didn't take or the shot we well, the shot we didn't take. We'll analyze it for a year or two. The shot we shouldn't have taken. We'll analyze that for a lifetime. Right. Especially if it ends. Oh, for real. Sour. Oh, right. With a wounded animal that we can't find. So I don't know, man. There's a lot to be yeah. said, in my opinion, about just listening to that, uh, that intuition, man, and, and following that. I think it. Play, it oh, it's a damn hard it, decision to make. I mean, you've got a bull standing at you, public land bull. You know, um, you're standing there and it's just like almost taunting you, you know, and it's like, that's every bull. <laughs> I mean, to, to, oh man. And it's like, you just, uh, you know, but uh, you know, three thirty, three forty 340 bull. I mean, how many of those get down? You know, it's like, that's, that's a, in a lot of ways, that's a trophy, oh, you know, to yeah. a lot of people, you know, and, uh, I'm like, that's, that's such a hard decision to make, you know, like that, that torn between your gut and that want, you know, and it's, uh, I commend myself for, <laughs> for being able to make that decision, yep. but Damn, that was hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, they're not easy um, decisions, but you know, but, ultimately they're the right decision. Yeah, you know? yeah, I agree. I, I, mean, I even, definitely agree with that because there's there's been times where you know I'm looking at it kind of the same thing, right? Like you know something wasn't right. You draw down. Um, and you miss the opportunity and then you sit there and you try and analyze shoulda, coulda, woulda, but you can still, you, you never are able to quite make sense of what was wrong about it. Right. And, and it, to me, that's just right. over the years, that's just one of those things I've learned to deal with. Like, yeah, it is what it is. Right. I, you know, we're, we're, we're hunting. Um, that's part of it. We don't fill every tag. And, and like I said, I'd rather, Air on the side of caution and miss the opportunity and eat the tag soup because having a wounded animal that, you know, you're tracking down for a day, day and a half, even five or six hours sucks, man. That's the worst. Hands and knees oh, looking yeah. for specks of blood, you know, and the oh, longer, yeah. especially something elk size, right? The, the, the longer we're looking, the less likely we are to find it and the less likely we are to find it intact or not spoiled and bad, you know? I mean, should I even had a situation where... Oh where my animal got poached um, because it took me. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, uh, that was rough. But, you know, on the other end, I I didn't find it until a day and a half later. So the the silver lining there was, yeah, some jack leg got the meat, but at least someone got the meat. You know what I mean? At least right. the, that at least that's what I tell myself, right? Is someone used the meat and, and were able to, you know, take that animal yeah. who gave his life, all you know, albeit not to them, um, 
but at least it didn't go to waste. So it was it's it was a very hard pill to swallow because I can't ever see myself taking something that someone else put the effort into and and taking it as my own, knowing the level of effort, time, commitment, and what it takes to, you know, just arrow one of those animals. It did something else, but. Oh, for sure. Man, yeah, that, I'm, I'm actually looking up at a, at a euro of a bull that I've got on my wall that he's like, I keep that up there because it's like a constant reminder of what I messed up, you know? And, um, you know, I don't want to make that again. Um, but I had, I had shot this bull. Uh, he jumped forward like right when I pulled the trigger and it hit him in the guts and he runs down and then goes over. Uh, I was on public goes over onto private and that guy is extremely anti hunting. And, uh, so he goes down and I'm like watching this bull. He lays down on, on that guy's side of the fence. And so I get a hold of local law enforcement. They get a hold of the game warden or whatever. And game warden ends up coming out. So I meet him way down on the road or whatever. And I had marked every single speck of blood. Uh, I had taken pictures of every single speck of blood, took pictures of where I shot the bull, where I was, where my arrow ended up, you know, just like everything I possibly could and where the bull had jumped the fence and even took pictures through my binoculars at the bull laying at the base of a juniper. And um, so this game warden finally gets hold of the guy that owns the property. And he's like, well, how do I know he didn't shoot on my side of the fence? And the game warden's like, um, well, I'm, he was pretty damn thorough. You know, he's got all these marks, blah, 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 pictures, everything like that. I've seen it. He he didn't shoot this thing on your side of the fence. He's just trying to do the right thing. And um, so the guy's like, all right, he can go in, but he can't take a quad, which there was no way you were taking a quad in there anyway. Um, and he can't mess up my fence, which, again, how am I going to mess up your fence? And uh, he has to go straight in, straight out. And he has to go right now. And I'm like... Dude, it's like gut shot bull elk. It's going to take him a while to die. If I go in there right now and try and get another arrow in him, he's going to see me coming. It's fairly wide open, you know, but those were the parameters, right? So this, uh, this game warden is like, unfortunately, I can't, you know, I can't do any more than that, you know? So I'm like, okay. So I go, I try to sneak it, sneak it on this bull and inevitably he uh he gets scared off or whatever and he he goes down i i I lose him and uh so i i didn't do what i should what i had agreed to we'll say that um because i was so consumed with finding my elk i didn't i did not want to leave that bull and um so I searched for that bull for a day and a half. Um, I, I literally, all through the night, I was on my hands and knees looking at every speck of blood, every track, in it, that, like for a day and a half, looking for birds, looking for, I mean, just everything I could think of. And finally end up finding the bull. 
and I get him worked up, you know, part of him was sour and, you know, uh, on, in the hind quarters and stuff like that. Some of it was sour. I was able to use some of it. Um, but you know, I ended up finding my bull and I think that's, you know, that's the big thing too. I think people give up too early a lot of times too. Um, you know, the, and here's the other thing I notched my tag before I went and started looking for that bull. Um, I just, I knew he was going to die, um, one way or another. And I was not willing to take another animal after that point, you know, and, you know, I, I've heard all kinds of stuff to eat their own, you know, but I've heard all kinds of stuff where people are like, yeah, but I eat the meat. Well, so do I, but I fucked it up, you know? So I'm not taking another animal. My, my tag is for one animal and I hit that one animal. If I don't recover that one animal, that one animal's still dead, you know? Um, so I notched my tag and, and whatever. And I was, man, I was like, that was the worst feeling ever. Yeah. I mean, that was that's, a horrible feeling. Well, that that's sort of like uh, you know my experience, and uh, man, it it was that was a hard one, right? You know, someone poaches it. Do you do you notch your tag, or do you go back? You know, I yeah, I, I mean that's that's oh, a tough one, dude. I flopped around because so so that was a uh, I had an opportunity to keep hunting right now is torn at the moment but then i had an opportunity on that tag to go into rifle one of the rifle seasons and man i mean you want to talk oh, yeah. about flopping back and forth back and forth back and forth and I, ultimately i was just like you know forget about it um you know it, it's it's a notch tag <clears throat> But I'm going to say it took me two months to really digest it and get over it, right? It's not like I found the bull and, and it was, you know, it was spoiled. I found the bull and it was stripped. Um, yeah, so it, that's it, rough. It, it that's, really, that's a really hard one. Yeah, it made it a harder situation um, to to deal with, right, mentally. But it was still like, man, I, you know, killed the animal. The animal got used, Um you know, I'd be curious if those if those jack legs that uh, that found it, if they put their tag on it or they just, you know, got what they got and then ran away. Um, yeah, I, I, I was I was just wondering that myself. Um, I don't know. I would assume you, you'd have to because you get caught with uh, with a bunch of elk quarters in the back of your truck. And yeah. Well, the, the, you don't have a tag on them. Yeah. Well, these guys were these guys were on horseback. Um, yeah, it is interesting, mm. man. But you know, you're talking about you know, like your situation there near private. Um, you know, and I learned that that year, and then the last couple of years, I won't even I won't hunt within a couple hundred yards of private. Like if I know it's there, that's great. If I can get something, you know, a couple couple hundred yards off, then I might. I might send an arrow, but I don't want to run the risk of dealing with that kind of situation again, man. Cause that weighs heavy on you for, you know, for years. Um, and yeah. then just getting to the point where, well, you know, you're I mean, dealing with landowners that, that aren't, that aren't hunter friendly or don't want to give you access to pull out an animal and, you know, screw yeah. that. I, I just, I stay away from I, it, man. I, I've run into that twice now once with that bull and then once wasn't me that actually took the shot it was uh it was my buddy i was i was hunting with 
but he put a shot on a, on an antelope and I mean, it wasn't having it. I mean, he was like in the middle of this field and it was a big field and this thing like took off and went up and over the hill and all that kind of stuff into like three other people's properties. So like, that's how far it went. Like it went way out there and uh, ultimately we weren't able to recover it. But I mean, we looked for an entire day and it was like, it was hot. It was August, you know? So, uh, but I mean, it's such a crappy feeling. Like, I really, I really hate that feeling. Yeah, I mean, unless I knew, but, like, I could, you know, if if you have a reasonable landowner, I'd be willing to offer, you know, some trespass fee money. Like, hey, I arrowed this bull. You know, here's here's my proof, if you will, right? I, I'd Something right. like that, I would be more than willing to pay a couple hundred bucks just for a trespass fee, not to harvest the animal, but to go recover the animal that hop private. Um, but man, talk yeah. about, you oh, know, absolutely. getting that access. And in some of the areas that we hunt, right there, you, you may not even have anybody available so you can do that. Right. And then just, just crossing those boundaries. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a no, no. Um, and who wants to risk oh, yeah. their, you know, for me, I'm not going to do anything to risk my hunting privilege. I don't care what it is. But I'd be, you know, again, I'd willing yeah. to pay a yeah, couple absolutely. hundred bucks for a trespass fee to go recover. But, man, they, it seems like folks just make it. And I'm generalizing, right, broad strokes. But but there's a, a level of folks that make it so, so difficult to gain mm-hmm. that access. And it's just like, man, that you know, I don't know. You got wild animals well, in and out. To, but damn. I was about to say that, you know, it's like it's getting harder and harder to get access uh, to private land. Like I remember growing up, um, you know, I'd moved cows and stuff like that for, you know, some ranchers and stuff like that here around Montana. And, you know, it used to be where I could go on their property, go hunt and all that kind of stuff. And it would be no big deal. Well, after I got out of the military and, you know, came back, I hit them up and I was like, Hey, you know, would you mind if I go out there? Um, you know, I know you guys outfit and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'll stay on, you know, wherever you're not, you know, and they're like, you know, Aaron, we, we used to let people out there and stuff like that, um, you know, for a while, but, uh, what ended up happening was, um, there was, they had a degradation, you know, just like a shoulder season, right. For cows. And, um, there was a bunch of, uh, elk in the middle of the field and they were, you know, they had allowed a certain number of people to go out there and shoot a cow. Well, these idiots go out in the truck and are chasing the elk around the field in their truck, just completely tearing up their field. And, uh, I mean, it's like, holy crap. So they prosecute that guy right they call the game more than whatever prosecute that guy a guy gets nailed for hazing elk the next year uh exact same thing they're like well you know we can't hold everybody accountable for the actions of one idiot right so they they let a bunch of other people go out there you know to fill their cow tag and those same guys went out there and did the exact same thing and after that, they were like, okay, no more. We're, we're done, you know? 
And I mean, I'm starting to see that more and more in a lot of places, you know, because of the actions of few, everybody's suffering. And we're starting to see loss of hunting areas and we're collapsing down on the public lands, you know, so like around here, you know, you've got different timber companies and stuff like that, that, that would allow you to go on the property. Well, those timber companies are now selling off their land and you've got these big land buyers, you know, that'll outfit or maybe just don't agree with hunting in general. Uh, like there was a one, thankfully that guy is willing to keep his property in block management, but well, until somebody screws it up. Um, but he bought 150,000 acres from Weyerhaeuser. And, uh, you know, those timber companies selling off the land like that, um, if that guy would have said, no, we're not going to allow hunting to go in there, um, you know, think of how many people can hunt 150,000 acres. And now all those people are collapsing on the public land and all that kind of stuff. So, I had so many more hunters. Yeah, I'm sure we're getting some more hunters. But I kind of think that it's it's not that we're getting so many more hunters. I think it's just that we're losing places to hunt. And so now it's getting condensed on those areas that we do have to hunt. And uh, I had a long conversation uh, on a podcast that I did with Randy Newberg about that same thing. Uh, it's It's pretty... You know, it's hard. I mean, we're we're in real trouble if we lose much more land. You know, you'd think a million and a half acres, like right outside my house here on public land. Oh, that's that's a lot. Nah, it's really not. Um, you know, you got elk migration and all that kind of stuff. And then let's say you throw, you know, three hundred guys out there. Well, you only have access in certain areas, right? You've got roads everywhere. So where are you going to hunt all all in those roads? Um, you know, winding up the hills and all that kind of stuff. So you've got a bunch of area that's burned up just by roaded areas. And then, you know, those animals are going to hide back somewhere. Well, everybody's going to try and condense on those areas too. So a million and a half acres gets burned up pretty quick. Right. Well, you've got a bunch of hunters coming in on it. Yeah. Well, then that million and a half acres doesn't all lend itself to the habitat of, you know, whatever species you're taking. Right. I mean, there's there's a portion of that portion of that 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 is not even viable for that species. Um, You know, we had a so we were looking trying to get back into Wyoming this year and Wyoming has a pretty cool little deal. Uh, I'll be very vague. Um, Anywho. So. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we call we 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 my buddy right he was tasked with calling and trying to get permission to hunt on some private if if the opportunity presented itself right and found one and i mean you want to talk about an absolutely phenomenal trespass fee i mean like pennies on the dollar typically you see thousands wow. of dollars i mean this is like you know, like I'll do that for a month. Anywho, um, that 
little old lady says, you know, sweetie, I used to do it. Um, but I had a group of folks come on and two of them paid, but they brought six other people and eight elk left my property and I stopped doing it. And it's just like, wow, you, you know what I mean? Like, we're not even, we're not even considerate of the, the, the landowner, but then we're not even considerate of the folks behind us. And their opportunity that yeah. we're squandering. And, and honestly, I don't understand it because the because the trespass fee, I kid you not, bro, most people piss off the trespass fee within two weeks because they got a Starbucks habit. That that's how minimal yeah. this trespass fee was. That's so to crazy. think that these couple guys paid and then brought the buddies in, right? For whatever reason, maybe their buddies were getting their asses handed to them on on public, and they couldn't do it. So let's cut a corner here, right? Instead of instead of either paying the money or pulling up your your bootstraps and putting on your big boy pants and just getting after it right notching the tag or not Uh at least you can get after it i mean it's like did you how how do you walk away from a hunt that you bypassed rules on we'll say right to be nice about it that you bypass things on and walk away and proud of that right one of the at least for me right and, and hunting is a lot of a lot of it is goal oriented, right? It, it's accomplishment, right? I succeeded uh-huh. in beating this animal, yada, yada, yada. How do you walk away from something knowing that, you know, you, you're, you're essentially, you're a poacher in that, in that instance in my head, right? I don't care if you had oh, a freaking tag, right? You, you trespassed, you didn't have a right to take that animal. You're a poacher. Um, I just, I'm just going to call it what it is. So, how do you even walk away and and have your head held high or how do you not feel like a a a pos when that you know what i mean like come on man um but then you're squandering the opportunity so as you know kind of bringing that full circle as we lose opportunity or as that public gets landlocked by the buy-up and we can't access those things and then we do crap like that whatever state it's in that i mean you're just you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. It, it's crazy to think that someone's willing. One, you risk your privilege, right? If you get caught with that, and it, it now with with the interstate stuff, you you blow it in one state. Oh yeah, lazy act. Yeah, you blow it in one state. You blow it in how many states are on that now? Thirty eight or something like that. Um, you blow I, it in thirty eight states. Say yeah yeah it, it, it's something extreme like that yeah it's and it may be higher than that this year i want to say it's 38 i could be off i could be off four or five but uh i i just yeah. don't get risking risking your opportunity and then cutting i'd rather walk away unnotched and just giving it hell you know or pay the damn trespass fee you know especially if it's pennies yeah. or you know what i mean if you couldn't afford it then don't then don't do it right plan your shit and do it the next yeah. time but don't don't cut the corners man it's crazy i uh, i was in idaho last year and um i took a better law and you know we're setting up on public and i'm what you know we had watched these elk transition from private to public, private to public. And uh, so we're like, we're in there, you know, and actually coincidentally, uh, I think his name's Travis with elk shape. Um, I can't remember his name. Dan? I want to say it's Travis. It's Dan. Dan, Dan Staten. Yep. Yeah. He had posted. He had, uh, apparently he was in the same area. 
uh, and he, he posted a video of it. I want to say it was him. And, uh, so these elk were down in private and it was a high fence around it because they were trying to keep them out of the fields. And, uh, these guys were down there and they had permission to hunt on that property. So they set up a blind at the entrance point and, you know, the gate was open and there was another gate like that they had, um, that they had uh, a blind set up. So they had a couple guys inside of the field and they were trying to push these elk out to close enough to the, um, to the blinds where they could shoot the elk. And I mean, they're just freaking running them all over the place, you know? And it's like, we're sitting there watching this stuff and we're like, just disheartened. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not hunting. That's, I mean, you know, and that's, it, it just made me feel horrible. Like it made me feel horrible as a hunter because we get associated with those idiots. You know what I mean? Um, we're not that way, or I I can speak for myself and I, I can probably speak for you. We're not that way. You know, we don't do that kind of crap, you know, and the people that do do that stuff give everybody else a bad name. And all it does is, is just hurt all of us. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, especially if it comes to, I I would just think comes to light somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I, I would, I would just encourage everybody. Like if you're, if you're working with, you know, private landowners or whatever, and they let you go on their property and stuff, go a few days early or take a day or two days or whatever out of your hunt and go fix fence for them and, you know, help them out, you know, kind of pay it back and, and let them realize, you know, we got their back too, you know, we're going to take care of the place and, you know, um, it's just, you know, I think it's just kind of the right thing to do. You know? yeah. A lot of it too, right? Where um, I mean, those opportunities being squandered by the few that don't really care. But then you look at the opportunities for those landowners to, and I mean, in this day and age, to make more money off of having a, a guide or outfitter run that and manage that property um, than they're making on ranching or farming i mean that's a lot of it too right so you know you get a get a guy that'll come out there and manage the herd and and run that for you and you're making you know um quite a bit of money in a hunting season to help supplement the income because farmers and ranchers are quite frankly uh being shit on by you know big industry um you know that that's another loss i but my point is these are all talking points to us upholding high standards in, in, in morality and ethics as hunters, right? And, and yeah, there's those few yeah. that, that take shit for granted or don't quite get it. Um, and, and quite frankly, some people kind of lose their <laughs> lose their rational thought, we'll say, uh, when it comes to bone on the head and backstrap. People lose their shit behind it, you know, and it, oh, it's yeah. unfortunate. Oh, I've, I've watched a lot of fights. And actually, I I, um, <laughs> I kind of talk about that a little bit. I hit on it a little bit in, in my book uh, that I released like a couple of years ago. 
um, the 10 rules for finding a good hunting partner. And, you know, you got to find people that are like-minded to hunt with, you know, but I've seen like knockout drag out fights over animals, you know, it's like, <laughs> I just, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Now, if you're, if you're coming, you're going to try to take my, my animal that I just got or whatever you're, I've, I've actually been in that situation where somebody shot an animal out from under me. I was hunting on block management and, uh, you know, we're sitting there waiting. We're watching this really nice buck. I mean, really nice, probably, you know, high one seventies. And, um, you know, we watched him all the way from the top of this mountain come down and he was working his way into the field and it was a walk-in only block management. And these people go bombing down this perimeter road on this field and then cut across. This lady gets out of the truck, leans over the hood and this buck, not even like five, 10 minutes later, walks out right in front of her. She shoots it. They turn the truck around, back it up, load it up and then, and then take off. And I was like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I already have my rifle out, you know, pointed out there, you know, and I'm like, just a warning shot. You know, I was just like, I was so mad. You know, I was like, just, just a warning shot. I think I'm a good enough shot. I could, I could probably hit a tire. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I was just so upset, you know. And, uh, I mean, it's just a crappy thing. You know, you need to obey the rules that are, that are there if you're on private land. You know, block management is private land, but it's private land that allows you to <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, private but, or not, right? I mean, most most states do not allow a shot off of a road, right? Especially, you know, if you're you, you stop on the road and you're strapped against the the hood of the truck with that rifle. I mean, yeah, well, most, this is a perimeter two track. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't an actual road, mm-hmm. like it wasn't an established okay. road. It was like a two track that goes around the field. Okay, gotcha. But the point is, like, you weren't supposed to be driving out there anyway. You know, it was a walk in only. Oh shoot! And these guys opened up the gate, drove in, and you know, lean over the hood and shoot this buck, load it up, and take off. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, you know, that's uh, so, a good way to you know cost us more opportunity. Oh yeah, absolutely. They could have burned that entire block. And thankfully, I I knew the people that did. You know, they are the ones that own the land. And they actually were talking about removing it from the block management system. And uh, because of stuff like that, you know, and they have, I want to say it's like 3,500 acres of like prime elk and deer uh, fields and stuff like that. You know, I saw the biggest damn whitetail that I've ever personally had a chance to see um, in one of their fields. And and they they let the public go out there and you know they were talking about removing it. You know that's another thirty five hundred dollars or thirty five hundred acres gone. You know if if they would have done that. You know. So yeah, we gotta we gotta really be cognizant of that kind of stuff. We need to. I think we need to change the message for you know what these jack legs are doing. Yeah. And, good good luck. You know, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, because there's kind of well, and, and there's kind of an evolution, right, of of hunter. 
types, if you will, right? Is is there's different frames of mind, I think, right? You get that, you know, the the, the starter out kind of guy that is out there beating feet, can't figure it out. Um gets to the point where he's ready to quit or gets a, you know, private land opportunity. Um, maybe he has, you know, maybe something set him the wrong way or he doesn't understand. I'm, I'm saying that to be nice. Cause it's like, you know, for me, the, the, the morality yeah. and ethics of it are pretty, pretty obvious. Uh, and then, and, and it, that varies right from person to person to a point. Um, but you have these, this evolution of, of mindset and things. And you see these guys that, are stuck somewhere between, uh, I don't even want to say a hunter, man. I, you know what I mean? It's like, what, how, how, yeah. how does that equate to you where the, those things become okay? Right. Um, you're a poacher light. I mean, yeah. Right. It, it, it's very, it's very strange. And I, and I get it to a point like you get to that point where it's like, man, I just want an animal. I got to get an animal. And, it's like, but yeah. you can't, you still can't cross that line. You got to check yourself. And honestly, to me, it goes well, back to what I was saying earlier, right? Is you have to set your parameters, whatever that is, right? In the seat going in, right? And we were talking about, you know, yeah. uh, quality of animal, if you will, right? But but for me, setting the parameters of, of what I'm doing as I map out my season is one of the, th- one of the things, right? Um, you know, this year I have... I, I drew uh, a Colorado bull only tag in in an okay unit, um, and then missed Wyoming. Well, Wyoming has a secondary. The unit I was trying to get in had quite a few tags left. So I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going for it. Now, if I draw the Wyoming tag, I'm like, okay. So now I'm splitting September. How am I going to do that? Because I really want to be in Wyoming to hunt, but now I have this Colorado tag. Do I want to go after both of them? Heck yes, I do. So the the decision was, okay, if I draw that Wyoming tag, that'll be priority number one since that was the first draw. They, really the only draw that I was planning on this year. I was surprised I didn't get it. On the back end of that, my decision was, okay, if I if I get it, then what I'll do in Colorado is I have a PL opportunity. It's going to cost me a few bucks, but I'll do take the private land opportunity and just use seven to eight days in Colorado. And hopefully that private land opportunity in Colorado gets me a bull in, you know, less time than it typically takes me. Cause I got a problem with killing the sons of bitches. I can get in them, but killing them is another thing. So am I, again, bringing that around, my point is like, you have to have, in my opinion, you have to have your crap mapped out prior to going into season. So like the lock keeping the honest, person honest right so you're not finding yourself in a position to where you made this bad flipping decision because i i've seen i've seen dudes go oh crap i didn't realize that i couldn't do this or you know oh crap i did this after the fact type thing right they're they're so lost in the moment um yeah. You know what I mean? Like some of the, I don't know how that sounds, right? I don't want nobody to crucify me for saying, I'm just trying to, trying to be nice about it. Right. I mean, unless you're all out potion, but dude, mm-hmm. screw up. They don't think, right. They're out there. They've been waiting all year and they F up. Um, so it's, it's pretty yeah. crazy, man. And you hear, you know, I've heard of several, several kind of, I don't want to 
ignorant mistakes, if you will, right? I, I can't say that they didn't mm-hmm. know what they were doing, but ignorance led them down the wrong path and they, you know, they got in trouble. Yeah. You know, um, not. Yeah, I mean, ignorance, uh, ignorance, what, is, what was it? It said to me one time when I was, uh, I was 16, I, was, I broke a curfew in another state and I didn't realize we had a curfew because mm-hmm. we didn't have one. Ignorance of the wrong. law. <laughs> yeah, ignorance yeah. of the law is not an excuse. Yep, that's <laughs> it. With the cop that told me. Right. And I was like, um, okay, but I didn't know. <laughs> but I guess it doesn't make any doesn't you know, make a difference no and and there's there's yeah. a there's a line too right like you don't necessarily have to be breaking the law but there is some moral if you will and definitely yeah. ethical situations that in my opinion like guys or gals are are crossing that maybe you know it's like the the I can shoot my bow efficiently out to 50 yards. My effective kill range should be within that 50 yards, but I'm willing to take a 70 yard shot because I just want to try and kill that bull. Right. I mean that, yeah, those lines right there, that's the ones that, that's, you know, that's an ethical thing. Yeah. That's me. the gray yeah, area mean, stuff that, that people kind of lose their shit on um, the law stuff. Yeah. I mean, there ain't no excuse. If you're, if you're out there doing something wrong, you don't know the rules and regs and law, then, then, you know, you're going to, you're gonna sleep in the bed you made. I can't. I can't even. I, I think that's a multifaceted. Um, not to not to cut you off, but I, th- I think that's a multifaceted problem. Um, so I think in general, just with the way our culture is now, and you <laughs> you could man, I'm gonna paint a really broad brush, but I, I think it's ultimately true. We're seeing the degradation of morals and ethics just in general um, (laughs) that's a rabbit hole like a son Um, of a gun (laughs) yeah it is but I I think it's ultimately true yeah oh yeah Um, you know so you've got that well I mean hunters are just humans so what makes them any different than you know the you know 100 pound white guy that's out there fighting for, you know, extreme feminist rights, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, there's no difference between that guy and a hunter in the regards that they're humans. We make mistakes, all that kind of stuff. Well, watch right? it. Cause people and are going to have, people are going to have your ass. If you say a hunter's like a, like a, a dude throwing a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> Because at least what we're doing well, is, you know yeah, what I mean? There's they, no. <laughs> they, no, no, no. I, yeah, I mean, so my, my point is that as far as them being a human, um, I mean, yeah, there there's some debate that that person throwing a Molotov cocktail is not human. But um, ultimately, you know, he's human, right? Well, and humanity regard, humanity are, and law-abiding human or citizen are are two different things right and i'd like to think that 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 we as hunters most of us the majority of us in my opinion are hold ourselves to a higher standard right um yeah but there's yeah Yeah. there's definitely a a legality yeah but we're having the the breakdown of the moral and ethical mentality just throughout our culture. Um, and 
you know, hunters are no different in, in that regard because we are humans. Not saying that hunters are out there doing that kind of stupid crap all the time. It's just you, you're going to have a certain sect of the population. It's statistics, right? Right. Um, you've got outliers. Um, you, there is a certain sect of the population that is going to be doing stupid shit. And, you know, the, the more our moral fabric and our ethical fabric breaks down as a culture and a society, uh, the more we're going to see stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, hopefully that's not the case, but I'm a product of statistics. I, I love statistics and statistical analysis. And, it's just it's just true based on that i mean it i don't i don't know any other way to say it um I think some of that some of that comes along with, well, like Michael Batiste, right? Michael says, you know, he talks about I want it now, right? And then Dan Staten, since you brought him up, right? Delayed gratification, and I think that's where, yeah. that's where, at least in my opinion, that's where I see the problem is that people want it now and they want it easy. They want the easiest path to what they. You know, it's not about working and grinding hard for something and then seeing success down the road. They want to do a fraction of the work, but have that same feeling of success right now. Right. And then, you know, between Mike and Dan, well, they, they both say a lot or present a lot that stands out to me. But those I mean, if you just think about I want it now, right, in terms of talking about what we're talking about and then delayed gratification, that's a that's huge. Right. Both of those statements tie into what we're talking about. And, and I mean, that's one of the, at least for most of us, that's one of the draws to hunting, right? Is it's not something that's easy yeah. and it challenges us every time we go into the woods. And, and how many of us laugh about eating tag soup, right? And there's, you know, oh, yeah. I, it's, it's just what we do, right? You're, you're not going to notch every single tag. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think, you know, no matter what, no matter where you fall, that's what you're saying holds true and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is, is it extremely unfortunate, but it's hard, right? Because, uh, you know, we're trying to promote hunting, um, as best as we can, you know, and again, we're humans, so we can't show, you know, all seven days that we're grinding it out on YouTube, you know, and nobody's going to sit there for seven 24 hour days and and watch a video they want it condensed down to 30 minutes or less and so you don't get the full effect of how long that hunt was how hard it was how how much you had to grind and all that kind of stuff so they see in a lot of cases now if if you have any logic to you which it seems like we're, we're losing a lot of that logic but um if you have any logic to you you realize well, when it flashes up day seven, yeah, I mean, you can you can pretty much assume they've been out there for seven days, you know, so it hasn't been a peach of a hunt, you know, but it's it, like it just doesn't click, you know, that they don't, people don't see that they don't associate actual seven days with the seven days on the thing and the, um, and the 30 minutes that they're watching that video, just like, 
in a movie, you know, they, I don't understand how this works, but, you know, they see this movie, like these romance movies or whatever, and they think, oh, well, that's how a relationship should be. And if it's not all like sunshines or rainbows, then my life isn't a movie and I suck, you know? (laughs) I don't don't know. I I don't know where you make that leap. I mean, it's just, but that's the way it is. That's the way people see things. Uh, and I don't know how we change that, you know, in promoting hunting and still show like how hard it is and stuff like that, where people will start to say, okay, well, look, I've been going for seven days. It's going to be a bitch. And, you know, I might get, get lucky enough to be able to squeeze off and, you know, actually notch a tag. Um, I, I don't know where we're able to do that. Well, I, but you and, know, it's you funny know, how we're able to do that. That's funny, right? Because there's over the last few years, there's been several films, if you will, right, that show that side of it, right? That that effort side of it. Um, you know, Brian Call um, did one with yeah. uh, with Ryan Lampers right, and yeah, his daughter, I, right? I, I like and Brian. And, and, you know, some of that, some of that, and I'm not one for sitting and watching YouTube, but I heard some really good things on it. So it was, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to watch this because I really don't like well, the Johnny highlight. Well, Johnny Mac, too, with, with Soul Seekers, Johnny is, is doing a pretty good job at, at uh, some of the things that he's coming out with, too. And Randy has done a few things. Um, but the thing is, ultimately, people don't want to watch you not be successful. And the the, pers- the perspective that success is measured in notching a tag, um, that makes it really, that's what makes that really hard. You know, ultimately, yeah, Brian is like, he's a very popular guy, you know, so people are willing to watch his stuff. But I promise you, and this is nothing against Brian. I think he does great work. And I, I really like Brian as a person, too. But if he starts showing a bunch of videos where he's not notching a tag, people aren't going to want to watch it. They're going to they're gonna get tired of watching this stuff. Yeah, but, but, that's, um, but that's ultimately what has done the disservice to our demographic over the years previous is that we're, we're so apt on watching the highlight reel. Now, I get it to a point, right? I get it. People want to see the success yeah. of a hunt. And I think some of that stems from not having those type of successes, right? Um, yeah. But I think that and, – and, and some of that is, you know, kind of how – how it was presented in industry for so long, right? Because to sell this product, we use this big giant bull or we use this big giant whitetail or mule deer. And that's, that was kind of framed, use this product, get this animal, right? And that's kind of been a disservice to us, but I think there's people that are making the effort, um, but we should, we should appreciate that, right? We know what that struggle right, yeah. is, right? And and because we know that struggle's there, if you take a guy like Lampers or Call, um, I, I'm not gonna say Johnny because Johnny hasn't been hunting terribly long, but these, but these, you know, air quote successful hunters, right? These professional hunters, mm-hmm. 
and you look at the fact that these guys are going out and they're getting an ass whomping because of these animals, yeah. right? That there should be some appreciation in that. And we should be able to translate that in our pursuit and not the need to live vicariously through notching, you know, tags on some of the animals those guys notch, right? Um, well, we can, we can appreciate it because we know uh, the background of those guys, right? But if you're a, if you're a new hunter coming into it, and you don't know anything about Lampers or Call or, you know, some of these other people that are, you know, showing that kind of thing, um, then it's hard to, it, it's hard to see that appreciation. Well, okay, maybe you don't appreciate um, I, I it. I agree with you. Maybe you don't appreciate I, I it as a new hunter. I agree 100% with what you're saying, though. Right. But, but, but maybe the uh, new hunter can't appreciate it, per se. But if they are sitting there and watching it and say that, you know, um, they they heard about Brian Call and now they're watching his film, well, then they should be able to sit through that. At least they don't have this clouded diluted version of what hunting is if if these guys are showing the emotion on doc hillary's face as as her daughter you know takes the first animal right. and they're capturing this and sharing this for that interpersonal interaction portion of it right i mean that's hugely important now that now we can talk about johnny mac and and no offense to johnny or any of those guys but with, with the inexperienced portion of it that's huge right because now they're sharing their, you know, air quote newbie. Yeah, they're sharing yeah. that portion of the hunt. So now we're bringing that stuff around to where this is this is the reality of what we do. But I don't think it's the new folks. I think it's the people that are in that mid range, right? The mediocre guy or the guy that has yeah. umpteen years experience. That's the people that need to appreciate it more, watch it more, be you know, get back to reality and share that stuff. So we can broaden our horizon and, and share this, whatever this is hunting, right? If you look at, look at what Robbie's yeah. doing over at Blood Origins, right? With his, he's, yeah. he's sharing the interpersonal side of this stuff. Um, yeah. So I think as we present this stuff, right? The highlight real stuff, man, it, it's great. Like, I'm not going to say I don't like to watch it. I love to watch it. I love to watch any hunting, right? It just takes me into those moments. Um, but it's the stuff that's showing the human side of things, right? They're the reason that I that I'll talk to anybody. The reason I started my podcast was to deal with the everyday people of it, right? That that ninety eight percent of the demographic experience. So uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> it's phenomenal for a new person to sit, especially when you look at the influence of somebody like like Brian or Ryan. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say their names like I know them. I've never had a conversation with either of those guys. Um, I'm just saying that because, you know, we're Brian Call and Ryan Lampers. I'll say it like yeah. that. Um, but if, yeah. you, you know, their influence and their and their thoughtfulness in presenting it that way, uh, that that's big, man. Then that could be huge for our demographic if all of us stop fast forwarding to the last seven minutes. You know what I mean? Like we got to yeah. no, we have absolutely. to be able to sit there and understand that and start appreciating that before we want to just see the kill shot. So what do you what do you think actually? Um, what do you think actually causes that that whole highlight reel? Do you think it's the um, 
you know, the absence of delayed gratification, the I want it now kind of thing? Or do you think it's that, that I, I, I kind of think it's like a, a multi-pronged thing, right? So, you know, it's getting more and more expensive to hunt, right? So you're coming from California. There's not a whole lot of uh, elk hunting that you're going to be able to do in California. Generally, you're going to be going somewhere else, right? So you, you invest all this money into going to, say, Colorado or New Mexico, if you're lucky enough to draw a tag there, or Utah or wherever, right? Uh, and then, you know, you're getting your ass beat out there and stuff like that. I, I kind of think that there's part of that in the back of people's heads in making the decisions that they're making, like to take that 70-yard shot versus their kill range at 50 or 40, you know? And I think a lot of it has to do with delayed, you know, the absence of delayed gratification too. But, um you know, everything not being as easily accessible. I'm I'm lucky enough to live in a state where we have a lot of elk hunting opportunity and a lot of just hunting opportunity in general. But, um, you know, it, I I bring people out here. And I'm not a guide. You know, I just hunt with friends from the East Coast or from, you know, wherever, different veterans, all that kind of stuff. And we go out and hunt and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of money involved in hunting a different state. Um, you know, shoot the tags in Montana alone, like 800 bucks. And then, you know, you've got all the gear, you know, the, the gear to hunt from like out East is going to be different than the gear out here. Um, and then, you know, you're doing a backcountry hunt. Well, they don't really need frame backpacks and stuff like that if they're hunting in Iowa or in South Carolina or something like that. So now you've got that frame backpack. There's another 600 or so bucks. And then you've got boom, 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 all this stuff adding up, right? You know, next thing you know, you're thousands of dollars into it. And then you're getting your ass beat all throughout the hills. <laughs> and next thing you know it's like i'm not wasting my freaking money well then sell then sell the stuff sell it sell it and move on right and i agree but that's i I think part of it is is you know that aspect of it you know um you know just not having the opportunity to go out there and do it all the time and make the mistakes. I mean, you will literally go broke if you're doing that every year. <laughs> so, you know? okay. So um, <laughs> I'm, since you asked me, I'm going to answer it. Right. So I think it's, I think that a lot of that stems from, and maybe not the, the delayed gratification part of it. I think that's something that most people need to learn or look back on. Right. Because what have we ever done in life? If, if you're partially successful in your career, you didn't just fall into that success, right? It took years to right. build that. If you're very successful, it took even more years to build that delayed gratification. Very easy. Right. If you look at it in terms of, of, you know, shit, buying a vehicle, right. Um, you know, I, I was driving a 1978, Honda, right? But now I'm driving mm-hmm. this because I had to work at it and delayed gratification. Um, but it's so multifaceted, right? So I think one industry played a part in it. Yeah, and we've all been we've all been victim to it, right? Um, you know, shoot this arrow, 
and you're gonna and and what's the picture next to the arrow, right? And 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 whoever's yeah. holding that, right, is this giant ass. And back in the day, a lot of a lot of what was presented was a lot of stuff from uh, back east, down south, right? This tree stand, you get in this tree stand, you climb this high, and you're gonna kill this animal, right? And they got this big giant ass white tail. Um, but so you look at industry and the and the play on that and then I hate even saying it but I believe that there's truth in it is is look at social media right is we is we want yeah. it sounds so fucking stupid um is we want the double taps we want the likes without substance we just yeah. want to show you know what I mean like look at me like okay it doesn't yeah. do anything right and if you look at the and, it, and it's it it shows like if you follow social media or if you follow analytics because you have you see it post something with a dead animal get 500 likes right post something yeah. about working towards that dead animal get 30 likes <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or so, even so, picking up some trash. Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah you're not going to get shit on that. So there, there's all. Yeah. That, I think that's a multi multifaceted thing there with, you know, where that comes from. Uh, but there's some there's some, you know, call it leaders in our industry that are really, in my opinion, making a huge effort to look at. uh Snyder, Aaron Snyder, um, he does a phenomenal yeah. job, in my opinion, of of doing that. If we're talking like big names, right? The guy don't pull no punches, and he, you know, he he's he's like a trad god now, right? He worked his ass off, right, to to be yeah. in the position that he's in, to have the amount of influence. And you listen to, it, and I recently just started listening to to his podcast. Um, but if you listen to what he's talking about, it's like, man, that the if we pay attention to the value set and not the eighty-yard bombs and the types of animals that he has the ability to go chase and and har- and kill, I almost said harvest. That was very California of me. Um, it's because he put <laughs> himself in that position. But the guy's value set is is phenomenal right uh, a guy like look at chris Rowe, right that's another one i found chris Rowe listening to yeah. kafaru cast yeah. and that's another guy right if you look at what what chris is doing and what he's presenting to to. yes dude the guy is like i i immensely enjoy i can listen to to something he says 10 times right and and man just phenomenal but if you look at what they're saying what they're doing and how they're walking and leading there's guys that are, in my opinion, heavy hitters in the industry that are making a, and maybe it's an, an unconscious effort, but they're making an effort to show the real side of it, right? And and I think that's, it's very appropriate in this day and age, but we need to wake up to that effort and those value sets and stop looking at the phenomenal opportunities or how proficient they are with the weapon and really start looking at the person and, and the values behind that person. I, th- I think a lot can be gained from that. So you, you bring up actually a pretty good point. It makes me think about this because I, so I've been working with Tom Obrey. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Obrey. He's a film producer. Okay. Um, but he, um, well, he, they, he came up with uh, extreme huntress. Um, with his wife Olivia, mm-hmm. 
And uh, so one of the things that he says is like, we need to get rid of hunting uh, porn, I guess, basically like the gripping grins and uh, stuff like that. I, I'm kind of torn on that. And the reason I bring that up is because of what you're talking about. Like, if you're not showing the animals, then it's kind of a, you kind of get rid of the social media aspect of it, right? But I, I, I agree and disagree, right? Uh, and I, I look at it, too, from the anti-hunter perspective, right? Um, I, I get that you might not want to see something dead's head being like held up or whatever, blood everywhere, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. I, I understand the sensitive aspect of it. On the other side, I think that, uh, I don't know really any other way to say it, but we've got the pussification of America <laughs> in a lot of ways. And, you know, we've, like people in urban areas have, have seemed to forget where their food has come from and it's like out of sight out of mind dude i live in la and, i live in the la basin bro <laughs> yeah yeah so you know more than anybody <laughs> like what i'm talking about i mean it's like i mean you're like the in the biggest sjw area like ever um you know, uh, but like people have forgotten like where their food comes from, you know, and I think part of that is because of the urbanization, you know, you don't have to go out and you don't have to kill your own animals and stuff like that. You know, um, I had this huge freaking muscle bound guy one time hit me up on uh, Instagram. I think it was. And he was just blasting me about how unethical hunting was and we i shouldn't uh i shouldn't be eating meat and like all kinds of stuff like this right and it all came from a grip and grin picture that i had posted i i don't know about you but i've never seen a huge muscle-bound vegan <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't happen right so you know i'm like dude uh, I'm guessing you use whey protein and I'm guessing, you know, you, you've got all kinds of calories and stuff like that. At, dude, you're not getting it from eating grass. You know, he's like, I don't eat any meat. And I'm like, well, dude, you're, you're eating animal byproducts somewhere. Somewhere. You know, they, so you'd, you'd be surprised though, in that realm, in that realm, there are quite a bit of folks that have found paths to, size i'm not going to say you know jacked up size but there are quite a quite a bit of them that that have gone that you know that vegetable that vegetable pathway <laughs> um, yeah i mean out there grazing with my cow yeah. you know i and and you know i'm i'm ignorant to it i have eaten the vegan diet for you know for a couple months and uh, i really did it as an experiment um and I don't think I'll ever do it again. <laughs> uh, first off, it just goes against my moral fiber. But <laughs> you got plenty secondly, of fiber. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, well, secondly, it's like, you know, it just, it wasn't right for me, you know? Um, 
but anyway, yeah, it like my thought is that because people are forgetting, you know, where their food comes from and stuff like that, you know, they, they go and Super Bowl party and they eat a dozen wings or whatever. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. One of the things I like to say is, yeah, how many wings does a chicken have? Well, listen, dude, you just killed six chickens in that one plate of food, you know, and, you know, one, my one elk has lasted me the entire year, you know, and it's like, it, you're not comparing apples to apples. And, you know, because they, the food that we're eating has lost its face and it's lost its grind, you know, like plant a garden sometime. How much work goes into actually growing your garden and stuff, you know? Uh, I think people would think a little bit differently about throwing away their half-eaten salad because they didn't like their dressing if they actually had to go out and uh, and actually cultivate and harvest a garden. Or, you know, if they had to grind it out and, you know, hike that elk out four miles on their back, they probably wouldn't throw their steak away if it was a little bit overcooked, you know? It's just... I don't think that I think, they, they I think have that perception for, used to be there. I don't think that they've forgotten where their food comes from. I, I mean, yes, there's there's a that facet, right? A lot of people don't even don't even consider it, right? They don't even really think about it, right? Because yeah. it's a quick trip to the yeah. grocery store or let me stop in this drive through. There's no thought process that comes into um farming ranching what you know however you see it right uh the 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 well, industry easily available right yeah they don't, out of sight out of mind easily available i mean they don't have to work for it well they don't even realize that that's you know? a thing that's dude i'll be up here in my home range and you know let's call it on a hike right i'll, I'll have my binos or I'll see an animal and I'm looking and I've had people walk behind me like, what is he staring at? And I'm like, there's deer right there. You don't yeah. see those four deer. And they're like, deer, there's deer in here. And, and, and to me, it always, <laughs> it's always laughable to me. Right. Um, it, it, it just, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I get it because I'm around it so often. Like they're just impervious to the fact that this is a way of life. Matter of fact, most folks, this is where you're, where everybody was at at some point. Now there's a, a select few of us that have chosen to keep this going, uh, for whatever, you know, our, our personal reason is, um, but it's, it's something else. And then to go back to what you were talking about with the grip and grin, I'm always in turmoil with it within myself. Right. And, and my thing is like, I, I get it. Right. I want, I want to see Aaron's bull that he killed this year. Right. Because I want to appreciate yeah. maybe what he, what the effort, you know, I understand the effort. I want to appreciate what he his success at the same time. Yeah. I want to live through your experience if I if I'm eating tag soup. Right. I want to see those. Now, yeah. are we in a time and place where a grip and grin has to have some kind of, for the lack of a better word, luster to it? Maybe not a showboating luster, but maybe I spent a little time and, you know, rub some dirt on the pump house where, on where the, the hide, or yeah, like yeah. right. Or I don't have the tongue hanging out the mouth. It's just so it's more presentable. Right. And people will argue that, right. 
but we'll argue that. And at the same time, we want to, we don't understand why folks that don't understand or aren't exposed to it that have no idea have a problem with it because they just don't know. So I think we have a responsibility to our demographic if we want to partake in these things, uh, you know, social media, stuff like that, understand how, you know, that we are outnumbered. And people will argue this all the all the time. This is my view and my opinion of it. Um, that there is a responsibility, at least for me, I feel a responsibility to. It's going to offend them anyway because it's a dead animal. Now, if I can clean that yeah. animal up and not show the blood, guts, tongue, whatever it is, and I can still present that to like-minded people because that's ultimately the goal, then I should have the freedom and right to do that. Right? I'm going to respect someone's right not to hunt. My right to post this or whatever it is, is as equal as yours, your opinion and my opinion don't have to match, but I think we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. I'm not going to say we, I have a responsibility to present us, our demographic, our way of life, uh, in the best light possible. And that's how I go about it. Um, I got a couple of, I'm not saying show a cartel photo, but you know, uh, but I, I think, you know, death does have to have a face. Uh, there was a, a study, it was a, actually a survey in um, inner Chicago high school, and 25% of the kids didn't realize that their hamburger came from a cow. <laughs> that, that don't even make sense uh, to yeah, me. I, I would argue that if it's fast food, it's yeah. I would argue that if it's fast food, ninety percent of it is fillers and, and oatmeal. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny yeah, though bro. on that on this topic. So if you if you Google uh, the psychology of hunters or hunting, man, it since I think it was nineteen seventy two was the oldest study that I could find. That's how long they have been studying the psyche of hunters, right? And and it's very it's very biased it's very biased in my opinion right of course well of course it's it's very biased to the i don't want to say the anti but the non-hunter side right and it's and yeah there's there's things in there that are true that that reign true but it's very interesting to go through and read these and see and understand how they're coming to these conclusions because of things like, you know, lackluster grip and grins or guys mounted up on an animal and presenting it in, in you know, it's like the, the Paps Blue Ribbon and the 19, you know, 68 Chevy type photos. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. obvious how they come to the conclusions. Um you know, their their findings in terms of why, um, I would say they're accurate, but it, it's very it's very minimal on the subsistence side and more on the accepting acceptance uh, group of peers, things like that. Right. The the accomplishment, things like that. Um, and I get it. But it's so multifaceted when you talk about why we hunt. I, there's not one thing that I can pin on it that really holds true more than the other, right? It's it's just, it, it, it's like a ball of all these things together. Um, but the point being, yeah. like I, you know, again, I think that, that I have a responsibility to present it in, in the best light possible to, because to me it presents us in the best light possible. And then making it full circle, yeah. those guys that we mentioned earlier, um, 
the way that they're doing it and what they're showing and their value sets and then, you know, how they're putting it out to our demographic. And honestly, a lot of those guys have opened up the demographic to new guys because of that presentation. Um, so I oh, think I it's, agree. I, it is, I mean, Renella is, is one of them, you know, uh, I think he's shown a lot, agree or disagree with what, uh, what's been going on there. But, <laughs> um, he, he has been showing a lot of, you know, good things in, in a lot of his media, you know, and it has brought in a lot of new hunters and, uh, it has done some good things, you know, um, but I, 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 I with you, like I, I struggle with it a lot, right? Um, you know, I, on one aspect, yeah, I don't want to show a cartel photo, you know, I mean, and, and uh, on the other side, you know, I want that animal, just me, right. My, my opinion, I want that animal to look as alive as possible when I'm taking that photo. Yeah. I don't know um, that he needs to look alive, right. The motherfucker's dead. I mean, <laughs> if I'm holding that well, bone, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying, like, presentable. To your point, right? Right. right. You know, presentable. Yeah, presentable. I, I don't. I don't want a lake of blood all over him, and you know, like you're talking about, you know, and tongue hanging out where he's definitely dead. Um, you know, me personally, that stuff doesn't bother me. But for those sensitive uh, folks that are disconnected from man, it, I want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you I mean, go. I, 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 I want to get, <laughs> get mean on that, and and you know, start calling all kinds of names, but that's not going to do us any good. Um, but those those sensitive folks that uh, that aren't used to it and are completely disconnected, like you said, um, you know, it's it's a little more palatable uh, to show, you know, a more alive looking animal that you're taking a picture with. You know, mm-hmm. um, so so playing but, so playing devil's advocate though. So what would you say to 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 a guy that says, "Hey, this is my thing. This is what I do." They they can have their opinion. I want to have my opinion and show what I want to show. Um, you know, screw them. What's you know playing devil's advocate? How do you respond to that side of the coin from within our circles? So I guess I would say. I would have to I would use probably the Socratic method uh, and and ask questions about who they are and what it is that they want to accomplish by um, by showing the animal the way that they want to show it. You know, are they um, you know are you doing this for an egocentric approach where you're just like, look what I got or are you um, are you actually trying to further the industry are you trying to further uh, our message as hunters and you know I, I guess I would I would try and bring it down to motives you know um, and see where they're coming from that was um, seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey uh, he, he, you know, to quote him, you must 
first seek to understand before you can be understood. You know, and if I try and understand your point of view, then maybe we can find some common ground and you can understand mine. Well, that, but that's pretty you much know? dead, right? I mean, you said it a couple of times when you talk about, you know, this day and age, right? Or how society is, are, are people really looking to understand someone else's point of view or because what I've seen in the last in recent history is if you don't agree with me or you don't side where I side, then screw you. I hate you. Right. So that that yeah. oh, that's true. in itself is yeah. is yeah. almost that's de- it, it that feels aspect? dead. <laughs> well, there is, yeah, there's 100 percent that aspect. But if you're in if it's somebody that's in the outdoor industry, and they say screw it I'm going to show it however the hell I want to show it the chances are they're probably not going to be in the outdoor industry for very long um, and they're also probably not seeking to uh, to further the industry so okay, so you bring something you bring something up there, it, at least in my head, right? So hey, we sorry about that. It it just I just sorry I just cut out. But they're they're probably not seeking to further the industry. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they they're probably doing it from more of an egocentric approach, and you know they they really don't care as much about the industry. Okay, so because if they did, they they would be willing to actually understand the other side of things. I would think. So, okay, so in my head, right, that there's this, there's this divide when, when, when I say, if I'm talking about the hunting demographic, right, I'm talking about the average yeah. everyday folks of hunting, right? Even the pro guys, right? That, that is the demographic or the community. And then if I'm saying industry, right. I'm talking about the business portion, right? Where there's, there's, you know, services, goods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, should we be worried about industry or should we be worried about the demographic at large, the way of life or the community, however you want to, whatever spin you want to put on that. And should we making, should we have a divide, not a divide per se in hunting, but a divide between those faces and industry, right? Because, because industry is what it is that, that to a point has what, has put the spin on hunting, right? Where it's, you know, this animal is better than that animal, blah, 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 blah. Right. Not to say that it's that right. way now, but should there be a separation when the average Joe myself looks at it versus industry, right? It, it, it should be about the demographic, the way of life, the lifestyle or the community and not about the business side of things. When we, when we display this and we talk about this lifestyle, well, all of the above, because I mean, so maybe I didn't quite understand your question when when you were asking before. Maybe you were just talking about the average Joe, right? Um, and if it's the average Joe that you know isn't, I, I well, first off, I would probably say that if you're a hunter and you are um, wanting to continue to hunt, you better be concerned about the outdoor industry as a whole. Because if you're not, it's going to be taken away from us. 
and you have to be cognizant of that. You've got to protect what it is that we have or, or we're going to lose it. And so even I would probably still have that conversation with an, with the average Joe that just wants to say my way or the highway, get the hell out, you know, um, because we all have a responsibility to, you know, push the outdoor industry um, to an extent. Well, the now, dem- I'm not saying the demographic, though, that's what I'm saying. Right. Is is the industry yeah, well, part yeah, of it? The, the demographic. Right. Right. Because there's yeah. there's well, and, and, and the industry, too, because the industry drives the demographic. Not, it, well, it also drives the the wildlife uh, conservation, the public lands aspect. All that. I mean, you take away industry um, and how do you fund any of the wildlife programs okay so so if if we're a 14 billion dollar a year industry right it's up there it's high i don't know if that's the right number um i should know that how how much of that is is going back in and i'm not talking like Pittman robertson right i'm talking about what is the input from industry from a company call it two companies that's actually going in and i'm not talking about a conservation organization i'm talking about industry input right services and and goods and services um that's going into that so if you measure it linearly probably not a whole lot um but if you measure it by the the effect that it has on the open market uh, is probably huge. There's probably a big amount just based on a marketing perspective, right? So, uh, for instance, okay, let's let's take Western Contours, right? Your podcast touches how many people? Call it five thousand a month per year. Call it five thousand a month. Okay, so okay, so five thousand a month times 12 months, right? That's 60,000, right? That's 60,000 people that, that you touch just with that. And how many times do you think people talk about that? And that's just the podcast portion. That's, that's not including through your social media or any of your YouTube videos or any of your personal interactions at these shows or at, you know, the math shoot, all that kind of stuff. Right? So it's exponential in in that aspect. So even if your company itself is not um, contributing directly to wildlife organizations, public lands management, that kind of thing, you are in a non-linear way by your interactions because even if let's say one for Let's say per year you touch a complete 100,000 people, right? I'd say that's probably fair, you know, 60,000 through your podcast and then, you know, through other interaction and all that kind of stuff. Let's say it's 100,000, right? What's 1% of 100,000, right? If 1% of those people in some form or facet are contributing to wildlife conservation, public lands management, all that kind of stuff, your company is contributing in a nonlinear way to all of those things by getting the message out there. But but it has to so be very it has all, to be very conscious, right? Um, 
there has to be a level of effort. Well, there has to be a level of effort by whatever, you know, by me to say these are the things that I believe in. These are this is my value set or this is what I believe in. This is what I'm supporting or what I'm doing right now in conservation um, or yeah. mentorship, whatever it is. To me, there has to be a better. a conscious effort in that. I can't I can't be allow it, that to be something passive. At least that's my mindset, right? Is I don't want that to well, be passive. It, it's better if you do obviously, right? You know, it's better if you say, hey, go out and support these specific organizations or, you know, that kind of, or go and pick up trash or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, You know, for obvious reasons, it's better, right? But just getting people in the outdoor industry to appreciate these animals and these lands and all that kind of stuff, um, it allows people to start thinking about that kind of stuff and be more cognizant of what it is that they want to protect without you even saying it directly. Um, because they want to go out and they want to see these animals, you know, they want to go and, you know, go on a hike and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, they end up doing the research. Now, obviously if you're actually saying, Hey, support this, this company, you probably end up with over 1% of that 100,000 people that actually contribute towards, um, towards a certain cause, right? But that's, that's how important the outdoor industry is just because of that nonlinear equation, even if they're not saying directly support this. Okay, but uh, you, you see what I'm saying? Right, no, I get you. I, I, and I'm not, I'm just, you know, tort and retort. Um, but what if that company said company isn't doing anything. It's just, it's solely about income. Right. Well, like, like, so, I mean, so you, there, there could be that, that, uh, that argument that like, say a backpack company is, uh, is not really contributing, um, because, you know, they only sell a product and they're only concerned about their, their income. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, name your product. Right. And I don't, and I want to, I want to preface it. Right. And I don't think that there's many folks in our demographic in the industry that don't care. Right. Or are not doing something. And my point is, I guess we need to, we need to be self-reliant, right? Where Aaron is self-reliant, Guy is self-reliant in furthering the presentation and how people perceive us and the betterment of our public lands, the upkeep of our public lands, uh, talking about biodiversity, things like that. We need to be self-reliant as a demographic. Now, if industry is involved in that, that's absolutely, I agree with you, an absolute benefit because of the input, but we need to be self-reliant and not rely on industry. We need to say as a hunter, 100%. right? I need to, I need to, if, if I'm willing to go and look at a company and say, Hey, that company is a member for 2% of, of uh, for conservation or, you know, uh, like uh, Eric Myrie Basin and Ben out of Colorado, right? That guy takes 11% off of every sale off of his bottom dollar and donates that to a conservation um, effort. I think he was doing it like quarterly. Now mm-hmm. it's like a yearly thing uh, where he's doing, you know, one. That Now that is something that, like I'm going to spend my money there, but I don't want to have to rely yeah. on 
Eric Myrie and Basin and Ben, I should say, hey, if I'm willing to spend an extra $5 on this because they're contributing to that, or I should be looking at stepping up to the plate and being self-reliant in in the demographic, in the community, and not worrying about what industry is doing or being a part of, you know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I get you 100%. The only thing, the only caveat to that is without industry, how do you get that message out there? I guess it depends on what portion of industry, right? Are we talking like, a, to me, a conservation organization, as much as it is industry, I guess, right? Is an NPO part of the industry? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, so I, I mean there's there's that yeah there's, there's an the, argument there right so um, there's so there's a maybe there's a line in my head with it right and and maybe that line shouldn't be there um but i'm talking about if you know i'm a business and i have again a goods and goods and services that i'm selling for profit within the hunting demographic that's what i'm considering industry um I, I, yeah, it's to me, it's a very loose term. My, my concern is with our demographic now, be it those guys in industry are in our demographic, right? I don't know. Maybe there's some odd ass separation in my head in terms of it. I just think we need to be self-reliant in that respect and not and not we need to lead. Right. All of us need to lead and we don't need to follow. Right. And I think a lot of times with that industry thing we tend to follow um right. i don't know and, and maybe well, it's just and, the way my the, head works the thing is it's like well yeah but the thing is like you can't um like you said i mean if you're reliant on some sort of industry right uh to to do something for you through whatever it is right um then yeah, you kind of lose your voice because then industry starts to demand um, policy. Uh, so yeah, people have to be involved in it, but through the interactions from industry and these wild places, like again, going back to the backpack thing, right? So if you want to be able to, what's the point of carrying that backpack on an airplane? There's like none, right? No point whatsoever. So that backpack is specifically built to go into the backcountry. It's it's specifically built to haul a heavy load. So the only way to use it (laughs) effectively is is to be around those wild places and those wild animals. And if you care about that kind of stuff, then that's the kind of thing that you're going to support. One of the things that I'm pretty interested in seeing is if uh like you know those programs like Pittman Robertson and stuff like that um you know Pittman Robertson specifically deals with uh you know like ammo and all that kind of stuff but what if uh a portion of the sale of outdoor goods went to Pittman Robertson as well in terms of I mean, like that be well uh, and, so, so oh. for every bullet that you buy a portion of uh, the proceeds of that right is a tax uh-huh. right and that contributes to Pitt and Robertson Act so what if we did the same thing for say arrows 
or boats. Or, I, they, I, I believe uh, it. I believe that's all. Backpacks. I believe most of that is covered. Now, when you start, so I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure goods are not covered. Um, I, I think that there's a limited amount. Arrows might be, bows might be, uh, you know, because it's weaponry. But I'm pretty sure, like backpacks or camo or stuff like that, is not. Yeah, I mean, there, there's an argument to be had, but you could also, you know, folks also talk about what about the other people that benefit off of our contributions via Pittman Robertson? Are right. You're talking about like just the day hiker? Yeah, day hiker, mountain biker, kayaker. I mean, those, you know so, what I mean? So there's a lot more of those people than there are of us. And I had, I had this conversation with uh, Mia Anstein. Uh, last week, um, and she brought up a great point. If all of those people decide, okay, well, we're going to start paying a use fee for these public lands. <laughs> here here they, it comes, buddy. <laughs> it, yeah, it, if they start paying a use fee and stuff like that, we have completely lost our voice. Yep, they they will, Yep, they have more voice. Yeah, and I think she makes a spectacular point on that because there's a lot more of them than there are of us. Yep. For five dollars for five dollar uh five dollar a day parking pass, they that now they have more say than all of our contributions. And most of us are putting into whether it be RMEF, Pope and Young, uh you know, BHA, mm-hmm. Sportsman's Alliance, plus Pittman Robertson's, plus anything else that we could, you know, decide to contribute time to, um, whether it be, you know, going out with your, we're here with CDFW and counting sheep, um, or going and picking up trash on the mountain for $5 a day. They just bucked yeah. us from all that time and commitment. It's an interesting conversation, man, across the board with that. The whole, the, the industry thing, like, I'm not saying I don't appreciate that. I just want us to be self-reliant and not. Oh, we, we absolutely need to. We don't need to rely on industry itself, but we're all consuming the goods that come from industry. Oh, I'm the worst and with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some, everybody has this perception that because we're professionals in the outdoor industry, we get everything for free. And I am here to tell you, and so is my bank account, that that's not true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Um, I, I never considered myself a professional. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple things I'm a professional at, and, and and the outdoor industry is not one of them. And, and maybe that's the thing, right? Is is that is that that I just think that that term gets thrown around a lot, right? It, it, when we when we talk about this stuff, um, and as is as is important as it is, I think with that level of importance, we devalue the demographic portion of it, right? The the 98%, if you will, of people that are not involved in the industry aspect, right? I think there's some devaluing that goes on um, just with the conversation. And maybe that's, you know, me looking at it different or, or you know, just how I see it. I, I think that we tend to devalue the demographic, right? And, well, and if I we mean, get... like like yourself, right? You're you're producing all kinds of media. You just said uh, about sixty thousand people a year are touched by your podcast in some form or fashion. Um, I would consider that as a professional 
in in the immediate aspect of the outdoor industry. And I appreciate you know? that. And <laughs> I think I think well, I mean, and, and it is right. You you make a concerted effort to go to these different shows, to go and uh, you know to Mountain Archery Festival, and some of that is self serving because it's fun as hell, you know, but. You know, you make a concerted effort to link up with other industry professionals and, you know, meet with people and all that kind of stuff and create content to further the, the outdoor industry, right? I mean, I think people like you should join uh, groups like, say, the Professional Outdoor Media Association and help further you know, the outdoor industry and, and the message that we're trying to put across and get rid of these freaking chuckleheads that are chasing elk around somebody's field, you know, and take, take the news cycle off of that and start, you know, changing our perceptions so that our demographic changes, you know? Yeah. So we're actually benefiting from stuff like that, you know, and, um, well, the problem, the problem there is that, that the people that, are a, I don't necessarily want to say against us or don't understand, but the people that are against us will never, will never present the good things, right? It'll always they're they're always going to jump on the two knuckleheads out of twenty million, right? And and run with that um, versus highlighting. Oh, of course, right? The I mean, yeah, look at the political spectrum. I mean, it's the exact same the same way. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, it's the exact same way. You know. Uh, the Republicans were talking about how Joe Biden can't put a sentence together, and the Democrats were talking about how how Trump was a freaking moron. You know, it is like, it, like no matter which side of the aisle you're on, you're 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 seeing that kind of stuff. And I mean, but by by us all coming together in the industry, perhaps maybe we can create our own news cycle. You know what I mean? Maybe. You know, through creating things like, you know, Carbon TV or, you know, Skullbound TV or, you know, some of those other, you know, big brands or whatever, maybe we can kind of change the way the news cycle goes and, you know, be politically active and all that kind of stuff with it, you know? Ooh, that man, you you're gonna rabbit hole us for another two hours, dude. Because that stuff, it, man. We're, that stuff has to reach outside of our demographic to do any good, right? The positive aspect of, of, of I'll use your word, industry has to reach outside of our demographic. And, and honestly, people don't give a shit until it offends them. So are we ever gonna reach outside of our demographic with our story? Yes. You know what I mean? Does, is, yes. Is, yes, yeah, I, I think we can. We had a, a Guy at Poma, young young guy, uh, maybe early twenties, who was self admittedly an anti hunter, and he changed his whole thought process just because of his complete ignorance on. And I don't mean he's stupid. I'm just saying I'm using the word like it's supposed to be used, right? Um, his ignorance about hunting. You know, he had no idea. And he was going based on what other people uh, had had told him about hunting. He thought it was just going out and murdering animals, you know, that kind of stupid stuff, right? Well, he completely changed his mind about it. 
and so I think we we have that opportunity to reach across the aisle and uh, and get out there. But chances are, you're not going to turn too many of those anti-hunters. Uh, but you could get the support from non-hunters, just people that don't hunt, maybe aren't for or against it. They just don't, you know. And through this whole COVID thing, we've seen a huge uptick in people wanting to be more sustainable, you know. And what's well, over? They now they're getting to, their comforts back. They're going to forget about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what happens, you, right? We forget about the struggle. Well, I think that's why we need to strike. Right. Well, yeah, but again, how do we, how do we, without a concerted effort, how do you, how do you strike? Well, and that's why exactly what I'm saying, like, you know, more people like us need to join these groups and actually come together, stop fighting each other, you know, like, um, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't take this thousand yard shot. You shouldn't take this you know, little buck, you know, quit fighting amongst ourselves. There's an ethical and a moral conversation to be had with all of that kind of stuff, but have it in person. Don't publicly, you know, if, if you're taking uh 12, 1500 yard shots or something like that, and I have a problem with it, then send, I'm going to send you a personal message. I'm not going to put it out there on, the rest of social media and leave a comment so everybody can read it. You but know, it, it has that personal conversation. But isn't isn't that an easy an easy thing to weed through, right? So so if you say, you know, hey, this uh, I posted something a week ago and this kind of I did it on purpose. So if I can if I can take a 1200 yard shot, right? On an animal and my weapon allows me to do so. I'm looking at everything. I'm I'm time behind my weapon. As long as you have the ability and the weaponry and you know all that kind of stuff to do it. I mean, I personally don't have a problem. With it. Right. As so, long as you have the ability and and the functionality to do it. So how so how I'm just can we using can, that as an example? Right. So how? But that's and it's a great great topic. But but. There shouldn't be a conversation unless it crosses a moral and ethical line. But that moral and ethical line to me is very individual for the most part. Now, there's yeah. certain things that if if this dude is obviously pop shotting right now, now we can have mm -hmm. a conversation about, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Um, but if I, right. you know, I, so I posted this thing, right, uh, a week or so ago talking about long range shooting and somebody jumped on there and said, Hey, you know, I don't really like the ethics in it. Cause I watched, uh, JJ will just say, take three shots, a thousand yards on an elk. So I'm like, Oh, for real, I have to check this out. So I get on YouTube. I watch this video and I watch a perfect under a thousand yard shot. It was, you know, nine and some change. I mean, perfect. Put it in the pump house, right? Smack the animal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one follow-up shot that quite honestly probably didn't need to be had, but it was had to ensure that that animal was done, right? But I saw this shot mm -hmm. go into the pump house. Animal was totally unaware of their presence. Why is that a conversation 
because I don't have, maybe I don't have the skill set, or that's something that I'm not looking at. I should be evaluating the scenario, the situation that they're in and, and, and really should be basing any conversation on that. If, if I see something that's sideways, right. But, but watching it, it's like, well, well dude, it was, that what if, though. Yeah, but what, that, I think that's where it comes from is the what if, what if could happen. Well, what if the wind came up? What, what, what if, and, and you're right. What if can happen at 10 yards? Well, what if can happen at 10, right? You uh, Going back, I was listening to Snyder talking to some kid that's just like killing a trad scene and they're talking and and the guy was like, yeah, man, I I half pulled, you know, hold my bow, man, and I missed this, this buck at 20 yards by a foot, you know, and Snyder was saying that, you know, hey, man, I did the same thing on a turkey and I missed by like four feet and it was eight yards away or some shit, right? So it can happen happen at damn near yeah. zero yards and out to whatever that effective range is at, there's always some type of player element that can screw the situation. Right. So, right. And like you said, though, it's an individual line. Um, but that's where, like I said, you have those conversations in private. You don't put it out there on social media and, you know, and publicly, have that conversation because eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have those bandwagon people that go out there and because there's an argument to be had and somebody else is on board with them, it's like, uh, you know, it's like telephone tough guy kind of thing. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I got, I got backup. It's like the little brother, you know, I got backup. So I'm going to go talk shit to this guy. Well, He's only doing that because he knows his brother's behind him. And the same thing with social media. You put a comment out there and somebody else sees it. Now they want to get involved because they got backup. You know, not always, but you put it out there and then it causes dissension. You get all kinds of, all kinds of shit behind it, right? Have that conversation in private. If you have, if you have a problem with, Something that somebody did on what would be considered your ethical line, and it bothers you so much that you need to comment about it, have that conversation in private. Send them a direct message and and talk to them about it. Or, or understand Instead that opinions are like assholes. <laughs> 100%. You know what I mean? That... You know? and, and if I came to you, if I came to you with that and I said, hey, guy. You know, you really shouldn't take 1,200 yard shots because of this, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And you came back at me and said, well, opinions are like assholes. Okay. Well, we can continue to have our conversation. But if it's, if it's through direct message and nobody else sees it but me and you. You know what I mean? I, 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 and and yeah. it still shows that we are a united front as a whole, even if personally the only people that saw an argument was being you right right no point taken i mean i i get it but again you know it's it's different for everyone uh if you're out there on on a legal hunt and you are beyond proficient at 
that yardage, whatever mm-hmm. it is, four to a thousand, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, that that is a call. I've that, taken those shots. I've shot an elk at over eight hundred yards. Yeah, see, I mean, there there's somebody that would be like, oh my god, you know. I mean, I'll, I, you know, I've had people give me guff about you know saying that I would arrow a bull at at seventy eighty yards, um, but yeah, you know, I'm 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 shooting what I believe to be an efficient system. Uh, I spend plenty of time behind my string. I know my shot capability and I know the factors that'll make me pull that bow and then let it down if mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's good, right? I, who's, whose yeah. decision is it outside of mine? And ultimately I have to live with the outcome, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, right. but just the, just the outright opinion. Um, and, and sometimes it's because those people aren't as proficient or haven't tested their ability um, out at yardage or have the capabilities of it. I, it just, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I get it, no, I, but it's like, I, I man, come on. But I'm talking about by furthering our agenda, our hunting agenda. And like it, you asked me, you know, how do we, how do we show that United Fund? How do we do that? And I think that's one of the ways to do it is stop fighting amongst ourselves, at least in public. And, you know, right behind closed doors shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Behind closed doors. You know, Uh, I think that's one of the ways to do it. Yeah. It's man. It's interesting, dude. It is something that, and, and honestly, there's things that I fight, you know, like you hear, you know, you'll hear the shot distance, right? And it's like, you know, I'll question myself, should I be taking this? Well, let me, you know, what are the factors that I've weighed into this scenario for me to feel comfortable doing this, that, or the other? Um, you know, talking mm-hmm. about LR, right? I went out to Oklahoma with Ron White and his staff uh, at DR Long Range, right? And, and here at home, I shoot my seven mil rim. And I'm using a 139 grain uh, bullet. My rifle really likes it. Um, I'm shooting an animal that it has been effective on, right? Um, Would I take that same rifle with my newly acquired skill out to 800 yards with that grain and, and think that I'm going to send it at a bull elk? by no stretch mm-hmm. of my in my head no I wouldn't do that um because yeah. I, I would I want more weight behind that bullet right for that animal so it's those you know it's those decisions that I have to have with myself in in my equipment right so if I'm gonna chase an elk with a rifle uh I'm gonna up that and and you know deal with that and make some changes and you know I I think if you have the information, you know, if you if you told me that, hey, man, I'm shooting a 139 grain bullet and, you know, I had 15 mile an hour wind on me and it looked like it was, you know, full value where that bull was at 800 yards away. And I sent a 139 grain bullet and I hit, you know, by the hind quarters, then, yeah, we could have a discussion on whether or not there was, yeah. you know, you're you're you screwed up. Right. Um, yeah. You know, did you think you well, can I mean, make I it? I was at Poma. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're proficient, I mean, you've got to you've got to use some logic behind it. You know, 15 mile an hour winds and stuff like that, or or maybe you've got crosswinds going or whatever. I mean, yeah, you got to make a logical, you know, uh, logical, logical determination. But, 
you know, like I was saying, I was at Poma and we have a shooting day at that Poma at the conference. And uh, I sit down on a Bagara and, you know, 6'5 PRC, 750 yards, bang, center mass of a silhouette. You know, it, I, I think that shows proficiency, you know. Um, what, but, but, but does it, but those, does it, those shots can be made. Right. But does it, right. I, I mean, you know, you got a, you got a rifle that you didn't sight in that, you know what I mean? That I think there's, there could be a false no, sense true. of that. You know what I'm that's saying? True. So, yeah, so there's all these things, yeah, there's all these things that, that factor into it. Right. And that's why I said, it's a very inter- interesting conversation that you can go hours and hours and hours in on, um, because there's, there's so many fucking variables with it. Right. Um, but again, going back to, you know, earlier, like, you know, Hey, opinions are like assholes. Um, Yep. Because you think it's one way the, you know, the guys I was shooting with, right. Or the guy, the instructors, dude, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, there's no way I can question one of those guys on, on their shots from what I was seeing and their skill set. Now, if I saw uh, them post something and I took this animal at this yardage, blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't, that there would have to be some hell of an anomaly to make me question it, right? It would be my opinion based on my skill set, right? That that's what it amounts to. It, it's it's an opinion based on your current skill set, and and I think that's a lot of where those values or what we consider our ethics and those lines comes from, is where we stand yeah, because of our proficiency and shit. So it's interesting, man. It, yeah. It's a great conversation. I, I like to have. I like to hear us having it more, right? Just across the oh, board, yeah. right? Where we're able to have you know some banter back and forth about you know about all these things, and just kind of sussing it out, right? So people start to realize that hey, we're really on the same flipping page here. Um, that really, it's it's an opinion thing. Hey, if you want to take an animal at a hundred yards with your bow, then guess what? Go spend time at the range. Fling 50, 60, 70 arrows a day if that's what it takes. Shit. If you want to get it to where it's golf balls at, you know, 80 yards, send 200 down range every single day, you know? Um, yeah, it, work. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, that's what it amounts to. Put in the work, build your skill set, worry about you before you're evaluating somebody else's because I tell you what you DM me and it's off tilt and it's not about a healthy conversation I will probably try and engage a healthy conversation but that's as far as it's going to go and I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself you know what I mean like I won't I don't I'm not the blocker guy like I'm not going to block I'm going to just tell you to go fuck yourself come at me half cocked you know that that's all there is to it if if you want to have a healthy conversation some batter back and forth shit we can make a podcast out of it. <laughs> I need the content yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean absolutely man and I, I agree with that it's, uh, so it looks like we're what, like two and a half hours oh yeah like dude, we're at, we're at uh, 216 so we'll uh, holy crap well, 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 you, if you don't mind uh, give a couple shout outs and stuff like that yeah man go ahead um, and then drop the book and then the podcast and everything let folks know where they can find yeah, you etc yeah so uh we started uh, outdoor wild legacies uh with rocky jacobson um two former professional athletes one's lance sellers uh he was a former linebacker for a couple nfl teams and josh fields he was a pitcher for the white Sox. uh kent anderson he's been with several different 
companies, uh, outdoor companies, and of course, Rocky Jacobson, who uh, was the mm-hmm. former owner and founder of uh, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And uh, so we've been pushing his uh, his new signature series line, uh, the Bull. And uh, man, it's we we knocked down what eight elk last year with it, just just between us. Um, so yeah, we got it done last year um, with with that signature series, and I mean it, it's really worked well. Uh, so you can find us on Outdoor Wild Legacies uh, on Instagram. And uh, I think it's like Outdoor Wild Legacies 2020 on uh, on Facebook. And um, if you want to find me directly, Primitive Republic Podcast uh, on Instagram uh, or Facebook. And uh, the name of my book is 10 Rules for Finding a Good Hunting Partner. If you're interested in reading it, it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a short read. It's only like 58 pages. I don't really mince a whole lot of words with it. Uh, country contrary to this two and a half hour podcast um, uh, but yeah it, it, there's some humor mixed in it and stuff like that and um this i've been told it's a it's a pretty decent book so i'm pretty proud of that even though i haven't sold that many copies of it <laughs> so yeah um that's that's where you can find us and uh we we did launch a podcast ourselves too um we just launched uh, Outdoor Wild Legacies podcast. Oh, so. cool! I have to check it out. Yeah. So, rule Absolutely. number eleven uh, for that hunting partner thing: don't be a douche. <laughs> I'm sure that's not yeah, in the book that, that way. That would be the most important one. <laughs> yeah, that would be the most important. <laughs> Maybe we'll name this podcast episode "Don't Be a Douche." But all right, brother. Yeah. Well, man, yeah, I no I appreciate right, the conversation, man. It's been fun. Uh, good talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to catch up here and just you know keep in touch uh, through the season. Wish you the best out there this year. All right, man. You too. Thank you. Thank you, bro. All right. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.